It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Anthony and I pick each and every game and try to squeeze in a dose or two of analysis as well. Coming up at 5.30, but 5 o'clock means it's time for Not My Beat. Today's top story from the perspective of someone who's there. You are looking live. This just in. Not My Beat. Joining us today is my good friend, Adam Amin, play-by-play from Fox Sports. He's on the call with Mark Schlereth this weekend for Commanders and Dolphins. Adam, hello, my friend. Good to talk to you as always, buddy. Uh, Thanks for the time here on the show. Uh, You just got done uh, talking theoretically to uh, Ron and, and EB and Sam and everybody out in Ashburn for your production meetings out there um I, 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 I let me start even broader than just like what you talked about how surprised are you that you're in this spot calling a game against uh obviously the dolphins who we expect to be pretty good and a commander's team that's not even remotely in it anymore considering what we thought this team could be and, and where we were last time we talked about them earlier in the season when they started off two and oh yeah you you and i had this conversation i was in the same hotel and uh we were talking about <laughs> the kind of buzz around the two franchises in the towns and areas that we reside. And I was talking about the bears having a very similar buzz that the commanders had around them. And fortunately they've had similar seasons, both teams sitting at four and eight after all that. So yeah, I am a little bit surprised, but I guess I'm not in the sense that like that's, that's what you're supposed to have at the start of a season, right? It's supposed to be hope springs eternal week one and things in this league shift so drastically, so quickly. It's part of the reason we love the sport. It's part of the reason we love this league so much. It's because of the twists and turns that they take and, you know, trying to put your finger on it is the hard part. Like what has taken place over the course of, you know, three months now, essentially to the point that we're discussing a team without much, chance for the playoffs at this point you know they're 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 just hoping to have a strong finish to the season so where, what are we talking about and I think I am uh, very surprised in that sense um I think the, the the I was expecting a little bit more but I think also when you go into a season you're looking at all the positives you're leaning into all the positives and the negatives start to develop over time and those positives get washed away when the results aren't there and that's if nothing else, it's a microcosm of what a bottom line based business does to people and their perception. Like this is a bottom line business. The results, I, I was talking with the enemy today and, and I even said at one point we were talking about patience with, with, uh, you know, young players and you know how there was a blueprint in Kansas city and this and that. And I go, they don't, they don't ask how, how they ask how many at the end of it. Right. And he was, you know, he was laughing and in the context that, you know, it was a, it was a, a, a fun line to deliver and, I think he got the he, he got the same, you know, he had that same sense. Like you're you're just trying to win. You're just trying to win games. Whatever method fashion it takes to get there is you know, you're just trying to win games. And when you don't do that, that's when you start to parse a lot of the negatives and rightfully so. That's what you get when you have a big money business. No doubt. And it actually that specific to be enemy was a huge part of the conversation on the show yesterday where there is a lot of you can call them excuses, call them reasons, call them whatever you want of why uh, some of the things he's trying to do may not have clicked yet with the young team. But 
these games count. And like, there is precedent for new coordinators and new coaches going places and implementing things faster and winning because the development is great over the long term. but these games count. How did he respond to kind of that, that part of the conversation and the, the job that he has been trying to do and is continuing to try to do this season? Well, uh, we, we talked a lot about blueprint and, and that's what you're going to hear. You're going to hear a lot about Kansas city because that's the most recent experience. And Frank, it's the most successful experience, you know, like you want, you're obviously going to shadow and mirror the things that, you know, made you most successful at a different location. And I'm, I know fans in Washington are tired of it, right? You don't want to hear about the chiefs because you're not the chiefs. You want to hear about how this team is going to be better. But when you look at Mike McDaniel, and what Miami's doing offensively and the explosive nature of what they've done this season, what's the conversation around? Well, he came from San Francisco. This is a very San Francisco-like scheme. And, you know, uh, it, it's, it's regardless of wins and losses, your past is, is going to follow you. At least your recent past is going to follow you to determine what kind of perception that fans are going to have of, of what, what you're trying to develop. So uh, I get that it's, tiresome to hear about Kansas City but from the big picture perspective of somebody like me who's not exposed uh, to commanders football every week and doesn't have to talk about it every single day and comes in with the 30,000 foot perspective that that comes with this job I I do want to hear about well I saw you week one now I'm seeing you 12 weeks later what's you you, what are you taking from the blueprint so that conversation took place and I think you know I don't I don't that that's not a criticism of, of Eric because that's everybody that that's that's anybody wants to make sure that you know they that they they have a blueprint in mind they have a structure an infrastructure a skeletal system in mind that allows you to find some level of success based on what you've seen in the past and a lot of this is just elements you know talent is everywhere this is a talent a league of talent you know everybody's talented there's a reason you're playing in the NFL it's can you execute at the level uh, that that is required of you the way that the Kansas cities of the world in the last several years, the San Francisco's, the Philadelphia's, uh, the way that these teams have executed, can you can you actually recreate that? That's the question right now. So that is an interesting conversation to have with Eric, certainly now uh, compared to what it was, you know, three months ago. And I'll just go ahead and put the first round of drinks on you tomorrow for the phrasing. I don't have to talk about the commanders every day. I thank you for understanding my burden. Uh, I will, I will, I will certainly take the first, if not the second round as well for you guys. Okay, That's no you. problem. Thank you. Uh, Adam Amin is with us, Fox Sports uh, play-by-play. He and Mark Schlereth on the call this weekend. So the obvious big story going into this game is this is Rivera's first time calling plays since 2019. Uh, he is, it has been a long, long time for him. Uh, 2019-2018, actually, I think, when he, he started calling them again uh, in the middle of that season. Um, so it's been a long time is the point. Um, you probably have that, that stat correct because you're a play-by-play man and I have to talk about Commander's football every day point is uh how, how what was the conversation like with ron specific to being back involved with the defense and and having that level of detail and that level of responsibility as opposed to being an overseer like he has been since he got here yeah i think uh yeah it, it was 19 he said i asked him i was like was it 19 and he goes yeah that was the last time i i had a, a hold in it and and it was a little bit different then too because it was a team of young, young, young players, a defense of young, young, young players. And that was part of the reason that he had taken over play calling duties. Whereas here, it's a lot different of, you know, it's a different circumstance where you have to take over in the middle of the year with a veteran team that's been used to having one voice call, you know, call, call your maneuvers over the course of, of the first three months of the season. So it's a little bit of a different situation now. 
there doesn't seem to there. I don't. I can't imagine much of a schematic change for Washington, just kind of based on the conversations. I can't really imagine one. I think if you're going to see anything different, it's going to be Miami-based, right? I mean, what does Miami do? They go for big plays. They have the are you know the fastest wide receiver duo in the NFL and arguably the fastest player in the league right now in Tyree Kill. So you're naturally going to play you know a little bit further back. You're going to have to play almost like a shell in some capacity because you have to keep things in front of you and you have to be able to tackle. So the calls themselves I, might be a little bit different, but I don't think that's going to be uh, you know coinciding with Ron taking over play calling over Jack Del Rio. I think that has more to do with what the what the what offense you're going to see. Think about that too. You're Ron Rivera. You haven't called plays in four years, and the first time you do, you have to go up against you know the team that has put put together about as many explosive plays as any other team in the league, right. and is as creative of an offense as we have in the NFL right now. And and creative, you can use that term however you want to. I think the thing is there's a lot involved. It's very complex in terms of what you see, even though the actual execution of it may not be that complex. Right, um, which is the – it's funny because, it, like, you and I, I don't think, have talked about this, but the way you just phrased that is almost exactly what I would say about Del Rio's defense in reverse was it was very complex to execute – and it actually wasn't that complex to solve. And that's why um, the biggest reason why he's no longer here. Um, and one of the words that Ron has used to say, this is how it will change is we're going to simplify. We're going to pare it down. I know sometimes in production meetings, you guys get stuff that you're, you know, with the understanding that you'll use it during the broadcast, but maybe not in a radio hit on a Friday uh, because there is a little bit more schematics that they'll give you guys uh, that they don't want Miami to have. But to the extent that you can share um, and whatever he shared with you, uh, what what kind of simplification, what did he talk about in terms of paring this defense down and making it easier for his players to play? Well, I, you know, it's funny. I, I've had probably three coordinators at various points this year, at various points this year, say the same thing, uh, whether it's on offense or defense. And it's, it's typically on defense. But uh, I've had multiple coordinators say similar things about paring things down. And all it means is there's less checks and it's more about finding areas. And again, that, that also plays into what the schematic is, you know, playing a little bit more of a, of a shell and a little bit more of a simplified coverage scheme and trying to be more conscientious of space rather than the players themselves, rather than the opponent, them, you know, individually. Rather than, so, for example, like in this game, I would, I would say, like, instead of thinking of it as Tyree Kill, you just have to think of it as the receiver who is, based on formation, going to occupy a certain space, or his goal is to occupy a certain space. That might be over the top, but it, more often than not, we're, when we're discussing some of the schematic things, we're talking about space in the middle of the field or at the top of the numbers on a release, and it's got to be exactly 15 and then to this area of the field to where you might have safety help. Like There's, there's a, a little bit less involvement of pre-snap stuff I think that has a lot to do with it, and that's been a common theme when I've talked to coordinators. Like, you know, the really complex defenses, the really good defenses around the league uh, have a tendency to have multiple checks and calls. Same way with an offense, right? We're, we're used to talking about this on the offensive side of the ball and less so on defense. But, you know, good offensive teams do oftentimes have plenty of checks. They have confidence in their quarterback. I think Detroit is one of those teams where – you know, 70 to 75 percent 
of their plays are probably going to be have a have a can on them, meaning uh, you can the first play and go to the second play. So 75% of the time when Jared Goff is going to the line of scrimmage, he's going with two plays. And based on the coverage he sees or based on the front, he's going to either stick with the initial play call or you'll hear, this is when you watch a TV broadcast and you hear the quarterback go, can, 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 or kill, kill, kill. That's moving on to the second play that they called in the huddle. Oftentimes it's killing to a run play. Oftentimes you're going to the line of scrimmage with a pass in mind based on the protection and you either kill it to the second coverage or uh, to the second protection scheme, or you kill it to a run play. That's a similar thing in complex defenses where you see the initial front of the offensive line or the formation of the offensive line. You see where the running back and wide receivers are lined up. And based on that, you either stick with the coverage call or the pass rush call or the run blitz call that you had on the first call, or you kill it to the second or you have your whatever signal word uh, that particular defense uses to get to the second play or second coverage or second pass rush or second run blitz. So uh, I think that's going to be a little bit more pared down is my guess. Part of that is the schematic because of who you're facing in Miami and their explosive nature and trying to keep everything in front. And part of that is Ron, I think, taking over play calling duties and trying to keep things a little bit more simple, focus on space, spatial awareness, and obviously sound tackling. A few more minutes with Adam Amin, Fox Sports, here on The Hoffman Show. Uh, Talking to Mike McDaniel compared to talking to every other coach in the league is like what? We're going to find out tomorrow. Uh, (laughs) Oh, you haven't had him yet. So so it's funny because, you know, a lot of of teams will meet on Zoom, you know, on Thursdays with uh, with the road team. But, you know, we've tried to keep it a habit on our crew to meet with, at least the coaches on Saturday in person, or at the very least get them on zoom on Saturday, a, because you get a little bit more, you know, like they, they just know more by Saturday in terms right. of personnel who's in, who's out, but also just cause like, it, it's nice to be able to get people in person and we, and our crew takes a lot of pride in just being able to look somebody in the eye and, and get a story out of them or get some information out of them. I, I don't know what I'm, I don't know what to expect. Like, I don't know if it's, it's an act, if it's half an act or, and he's half serious, I don't know if he's completely serious. Like this is, this has like Jim Harbaugh feel to it, but not in a bad way. Like cause Harbaugh kind of has like an act basically that he puts on for TV people, uh, at least based on what I've heard from, from some of his former players and being in the room with him a couple of times when I used to cover Michigan and cover college football. So I just don't know what to expect when it comes to Mike McDaniel, man. Like it's funny. Everything I hear is funny. His, his, uh, you know, kind of idiosyncrasies are, at the very least entertaining to me and I knowing a little bit and hearing a little bit about his background, it's a really good story, you know, and I I'm, I'm excited to get a chance to actually kind of dive into his mind a little bit because I'm fascinated by it. Yeah. I mean, there just aren't a lot of Ivy league graduate, super idiosyncratic uh, coaches in the NFL, nevertheless head coaches who also wear Gucci or off white sneakers every week. Like he's just, he's so one of one, uh, did you watch? Did you watch Hard Knocks this week in preparation for this game? Did that get to count as prep for you? I've seen I've seen plenty of clips by this point, and pretty much all the funny clips that I wanted to see, I've I run into <laughs> various points. Yeah, uh, there's there's a lot of material. Um, and last but not least, you mentioned uh, Detroit, and that that triggered another thought for me, bigger picture outside of this game for this organization, because you do get the chance to sit down with so many people around the league, the the head coaches, the coordinators. 
Is there anybody in particular that stands out to you as a great head coaching candidate that you've had just a really great conversation with? Obviously, when you said Detroit, like Ben Johnson's the guy that I'm super interested in. He's the top of my list for Washington, assuming they make a move this offseason. But as you sit down with some of the coordinators around the league, who are some of the guys that stand out to you the most? I mean, I, I still yeah, – Ben Johnson's probably at the top of that list for sure. Um it's a it's a it's a it's a great thought, and there are guys in Seattle that I've always walked away impressed by. Uh, I'm not sure if Shane Waldron is necessarily ready for for that for that slot. You know, when you work under Pete uh, Carroll in Seattle, then you're you're not you don't have you're you're really focused on your side of the ball. It's not much of a CEO role. Whereas you know you go to you go to Detroit. You know, Dan Campbell's got his hands in the offense. Obviously, been an offensive minded player, and he gives Aaron Glenn a lot of leeway on defense, but I feel like, you know, Ben Johnson is that it's him and Jared Goff, you know, and I think that's what you're looking for. And and I I know there are other examples out there. I haven't felt I honestly I, I and I don't mean this as an insult to anybody. I really haven't run into anybody outside of a Ben Johnson this year that I walked away and said that guy's got to be a head coach. Like that guy has to be in a position to to run something. Raheem Morris probably, I think. Uh, you know he's he's had opportunities in the past uh, in Atlanta as an interim, I think, and then before that, I think it was Tampa Bay. Yeah, uh, I think he'd be he'd be great, uh, a great candidate to get back the Rams' defensive coordinator. Um, certainly, uh, Ben is at the top of the top of that list, probably for a lot of teams. Certainly, Carolina is going to be looking at him because that's that's where he hails from. But honestly, I haven't really walked away just absolutely blown away by anybody, and that's fine. That doesn't mean that they're not ready for for that position or that they wouldn't be capable. I think it's more about there's, there's very few dynamic personalities out there right now. Cause everybody's pretty guarded. Everybody's trying to figure out their way. There's a lot of young coordinators. We have a lot of under like 40 and under coordinators now in the game. So it's not, you know, it's not what we saw 10 or 15 years ago where every coordinator was like Wink Martindale or, you know, Wade Phillips, or, uh, you know, we, we had uh, Dean Pease and, you know, just these uh, Dick LeBeau, just all these like veteran names, uh, mostly on the defensive end, but a lot of veteran names. I, it's just not the case anymore. A lot of these offensive coordinators are the younger set, the some of the Ivy League guys, some of the you know analytics guys who have been able to figure out how play calling fits their systems or, or the systems that they worked in under whoever was their offensive coordinator. I'm I'm not blown away by a whole lot of people. That's why Ben Johnson's going to be as highly sought after as anybody in the league right now. Yeah, and thankfully for Washington, uh, with the ownership change, this is going to be a hot destination, and hopefully uh, yeah, it just confirms or pushes me farther into Ben Johnson's corner as the guy that I would like to come here. Uh, Adam Amin on the call, Fox Sports on Sunday. Uh, can't wait to see you tomorrow, and then I'll come. I, I, told, I promised Schlereth that I'd come say hi in the broadcast booth, so you're going to have to see me two days in a row. I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah, I'm really upset about that, but <laughs> I know you're just you you just take your time tonight without me, and um, I'll see you tomorrow. I appreciate it, pal. Thank you. See ya. Uh, that is Adam Amin with us here on the Hoffman Show again. Uh, he and Stink on the call on Sunday. Um, God, he's so good. He's so good at his job. He's so smart, and he's he's just legitimately one of my favorite people on the planet. So always love spending some time with him, letting y'all enjoy his insight here on the radio. When we get back, uh, speaking, you know, of just my favorite people who I love to let y'all hear the insight from my man, Anthony Haney's on a hot streak. Don't jinx me, Craig. 
Don't jinx me, please, sir. Is that fragile? I, I don't know. It remain- old, <laughs> you're scared of a little old announcer's jinx? It remains to be seen. Let's see if I can keep it up. That's all I'll say. Okay. We got we got a whole weekend slate of games. We're both one to know. Thanks to the Cowboys holding on for dear life last night uh, over the Seahawks. What a Man, game that was. That nine uh, and a half. Stinky. Yep. Yep. I mean, congrats to the Seahawks for getting healthy and, and you know, showing. It just also, though, makes you so mad. You're like, Seahawks, are they that much better offensively than, than Washington is? Because Washington scored 10. And Seattle scored 35. But that's also how you scheme up against man defense. Some of the, the, the route concepts that they had, the, the end zone stuff. Dude, the red zone, really good. He was dialing some stuff like, up for Dan Quinn. Like, he – I'm glad that Adam mentioned his name. Mm-hmm. I don't think – I don't for the reasons that Adam mentioned, I'm not sure he's a head coach candidate yet. Yeah. But he's going to be. And – at the very least, like the problem is they're two different jobs, like being an OC and being a head coach are different. There's very much a crossover and you can also build if you're, if you're good at the organizational stuff and kind of understanding your own limitations and time management and stuff, you can build an organization where you can keep essentially being the coordinator. This is what Kyle did in San Francisco, especially early. He's, he's given off some pieces as time has gone away but like he set it up so that, or like when Sean got to uh, LA, right? He hired Wade Phillips because Sean needed to be the offensive coordinator. So he hired Wade Phillips to run the defense and to be a top advisor because he knew that Wade had been a head coach before. He could certainly handle the defensive side of the ball. And some of the stuff that Sean didn't want to have to deal with as a head coach, he could pawn off on Wade or on uh, other people on his staff. Same thing with Kevin in Minnesota. Same thing with Kyle in in, um, in San Francisco. Um, I'm sure Steichen has set it up this way in in Indianapolis. Uh, Gannon in Arizona. Like when you get hired because you're the young hot coordinator who's great at coordinating, you don't want to give up that because then one of your best resources isn't being used. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that you know, like a Shane Waldron. Eventually, you know, if he gets a head coaching job. Dude, don't give up the scheme stuff. You're yeah. good at that. Make sure that you uh, you got that covered, uh, or the scheduling guy uh, do the scheduling so that you can dial up some offense. All right, uh, anyway, we're going to pick all the games when we get back, and uh, we'll see if Anthony can stay hot. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. I am, of course, Craig Hoffman. That's why it's called the Hoffman Show. Name's on it, the whole thing. Uh, he is super producer Anthony Haney, and we are going to pick NFL games now. Uh, don't forget, uh, this show not only is live on the Team 980 and the free Odyssey app, but is streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980 as well. And it is on demand in both of those places, the free Odyssey app, where you can rewind up to 24 hours using our free rewind feature, or on YouTube, which is, you know, also free. All right, Anthony, uh, where are we headed into the week after you have actually had a nice little run here? So, Craig, you currently hold a seven-game lead over yours truly. You are, you have a record of 109-68, and 68, and okay. my record is 102-75. and 75. So you can do that math. Seven-game lead for yours. Even I can do that math. Yes. 
All right, seven-game lead going into week 13, which last year was a bad week for you and a good week for me. Yeah, you went 9-2 and two last year, and I went 5-6, and six, so I hope to right all of those wrongs and uh, have another good week. You know what that means, though, Anthony, this year? What? Absolutely nothing. It, they're unrelated <laughs> in every conceivable possible way. Okay, just making sure, because I thought you were going to tell me something that I didn't know, but I no, already knew. Okay. No. There's nothing there. Uh, by the way, these picks are on a football Friday on the Team 980, driven by your local Honda dealer. Experience power, performance, and ruggedness with Honda. See your local Honda dealer. Anthony, please cue the music. Yes. Yes, indeed. All right, first game on the slate. Uh, we'll pick it. Uh, we'll, we've been talking about it, the analysis, the whole show, so we'll move quickly through it. Uh, but Dolphins and Commanders, let's be honest, Anthony, if this was not our game, we would go one, two, three. But... Any uh, any other thoughts on this one before we say a team name? I already that rhymes told you, Chris. If this is the game to have an upset, I think this is it. But I don't think it happens this week or this year. I'm going with the Dolphins, baby. Yeah, Dolphins. You think they cover the nine and a half? <sighs> the thing is, the the game against the Cowboys should have been closer. I think we can cover the nine and a half. To be honest, I think I mean, we cover. They can. It's nine and a half. Oh, is will we? Um. Like if you had to bet this game, if I had to. Be- if I had I to bet, bet I'm going I with bet the Dolphins. Miami. Yeah, yeah, you can have the points. Yeah, you can have nine and a half. Yeah. All right, uh, we're on the same page there. Colts and Titans. Yep. Indy one point favorites on the road. Can Gardner Minshew and company pull off another one? That'd be a decent playoff shape if they can. Ant. Yeah, I'm thinking they pull pull it off though, Craig. I no know they no JT. But Zach Moss has been very serviceable in JT's absence. I think we get a heavy dose of Zach Moss. Last week, they didn't run it too much, a lot of blitzing. I don't think they'll have the same problem this, this week against the Titans. Even though Rabel, I don't know, he, I, I like him. He's a great defensive mind in my eyes. He is. Um, he can he cause is. some problems. But I think I'm, a, I'm confident in my coats. So this is the game of the weekend most likely to end first. Without question. <laughs> These two teams are going to run, and they're going to run some more, and they're going to run some more. And run. Uh, this game is going to be over by 345. Yes, sir. Uh, and I think at the end of it, the Colts will have more points. I think at the end of the day, it's going to come down to who can hit a couple of shots. Like, can Minshew hit a couple? And, like, Pittman's playing really well. Uh, and then, obviously, like, big game for your boy. Like, hey, Z, go tackle Derrick Henry a lot. Have fun. And Z, Z's a psycho. He loves that. Yeah. He, psycho I'm- and a sicko. <laughs> he, he better than the whole last year. He, last time they faced off, I fourth remember. and one, fourth and one, he got the job done. I he hope did. he, I hope he repeats this time. All right, Chargers and Hold up, who are you going with? Uh, Indy. Indy. Okay. At the end of it, the Colts will have more points. Yes, sir. Uh, Chargers and Patriots. Chargers five and a half point favorites on the road. Uh, Bailey Zappi, I believe, is starting. Not that it really matters. At the end of the day, man, like the Chargers don't beat teams that are good. Uh, they've pounded a couple teams that are bad. They're like a, a poor man's version of the Cowboys in that regard. Uh, and that they're four and seven themselves, lost a bunch of close games. This one shouldn't be close. Chargers should be able to, to do some significant damage here, as long as they don't just beat themselves mercilessly. Yeah, I think Khalil Mack is going to have himself a day. He had six sacks in the game. Might go for seven. That wouldn't that be for- nuts? 
Like, hey, hey, how many sacks did he have in the year? 15. He had 13 of them in two games. Yeah. <laughs> Kerrigan used to do that all the time. RK would have like two games a year where he had three sacks, and, and then he'd be like, oh, he had 11 sacks. I'm like, yeah, six of them came in two games. I think I think for NFL players, just like Madden, like you need stat padding games. You know, you're yeah. gonna have you're gonna have weeks where you have tough games where you you know only get like one or two tackles, but then you have those teams where like, oh, I'm about to go crazy. I'm about to go get 20 tackles and you know and have it look good. So I, I think this is one of those games where the Chargers will be able to you know pad, pad some stats or everybody to be honest. I mean. That's playing New England, which is crazy, but that's playing New England these days. Lions and Saints, Detroit, four-and-a-half-point favorites on the road in the Dome. I think this actually sets up very well for Detroit. They're a disciplined football team, uh, most of the time anyway, a fairly disciplined team. They are well-coached, and they get to play indoors on turf where they thrive. I mean, that's what they have up, obviously, in Detroit, I know they're like NFC North tough Lions, but like, no, they're they're an indoor football team, and they get to go play indoors, and I think they are better at playing indoor football than the New Orleans Saints are. Give me Detroit. You know the Saints also play indoors, right? Yeah, but they're that's the point. They're not as good at it. Oh, yeah, that too. Uh, I'm definitely yeah. going with the Lions here too. The Lions got to bounce back. They had a rough go- going against the Packers uh, on Thanksgiving. And they were still in it. Like, yeah, they, they had a chance. They just kept – like that was one of the weirdest games <laughs> that I we've seen in a long time because they they were getting first down after first down. Yep. There was like all kinds of good offensive production, and they just could not finish. And, and also Dan Campbell's aggressiveness sort of kind right. of backfired. He left a lot of points out there, so left a lot of points out there, left field position out there. They were one of five on fourth down. Like it's a wacky game. Yeah. Just play solid football. You'll beat the Saints, mm-hmm. uh, yep. who somehow are sitting atop the NFC East with. The Falcons at five and six, uh, who take on the four and seven Jets. Uh, obviously, Rogers practice window open, but he's not playing yet. Uh, we'll see if he can get back by Christmas Eve against the Commanders. But Falcons uh, going to MetLife. They're favored by two. Who you got? I don't really like this. Uh, for some reason, I feel as though the Jets are going to get the job done in MetLife. I think they're going to have a heavy dose of the, the Russian attack, and their defense is going to be able to withstand, you know, what the Falcons want to do. I don't think um, Rit- Ritter is going to carve them up or anything. I think if they if they lean on their run game, I think they'll have a chance. I don't really know where I want to go. I think I'm That's going That's abundantly to... clear. Give me the Jets. I can't believe I'm saying this, Craig. Give me the J-E-T-S. I am about to pick the Falcons, and I feel just as awful as you do. That This game stinks, Um, which is something I feel like we say about the Falcons games every week. Um, What's actually pretty stunning is the Jets – like are one of the least frequent rush teams in the league. I was looking at a bunch of rushing stats. I'm going to pull it back up real quick. But I was looking at a bunch of rushing stats the other day, uh, commanders-wise, and if you look at like rushing attempts on the season, the Jets are the Jets have actually rushed the ball fewer times than the commanders. I mean, I don't but know how often have to, they been on offense, though? I don't know how it plays out in terms of percentages. Um mm. Because they've played one fewer game. Yeah. Like, that's the crazy thing, 
is like the entire top 10 of teams with fewest rushing attempts have all played 11 games, except for the third uh, most or the third fewest, which is the commanders um, who have played 12 and have still only rushed it 257 times. Oddly enough, the Jets also like the commanders average four or five a carry. So it makes no sense, um, but they average like fewer yards per game than the commanders. They average 93, four a game. Um, but it's hard to really, run the ball truly bizarre. when you're trailing all the time. That Lose. is true, and they're not efficient, so there's not a lot of plays to run. Like I, I bet that if we looked at passing – actually, here, I'll do that real quick. Um, passing attempts. I bet you they're also probably towards the bottom because they're just terrible um, offensively. Yeah, they're bottom they're, – they're at like 20-something. Yeah. Um, so they just haven't run a ton of plays. But for a team that feels like they're built around their defense, it's pretty wild that they have not rushed the ball – a lot more, and maybe they'd find more success on offense. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the point is, the Jets stink offensively. The Falcons are not very good. The total in this game is 33-and-a-half. Wow. So Vegas is calling for like a 17-16 game. Uh, this I'll game take... might end before the Colts and Titans. No, because that's the thing is, the Jets will try to throw it. Oh, Old dang. Timmy Boyle will try to chuck it, and you're like, no, yep. you hand the ball to Brees Hall. That'll be better <laughs> for you. Uh, I'll take I'll take the Falcons. Cardinals and Steelers, Pittsburgh, six-point favorites at home. And, Anthony, you've been talking about this the last couple of weeks. Minka Fitzpatrick with that hamstring. When's he coming back? Sunday. Minka Fitzpatrick says he's going to play against the Cardinals. I'm going with the steel curtain. Defense is going to stand up. I mean, Kyler Murray, like him coming back was very exciting, but I don't think his he still came back to the Cardinals. It's not yeah, like he got that, to come back to another yeah, team. Exactly. So it's it's more so they're still the Cardinals at the end of the day. <laughs> right. I think the uh, the Steelers go out here and get the job done. Yeah, I agree. Uh, see what T.J. Watt can do. Uh, probably has a big one on Sunday against his brother's former team, at least his brother's final former team. His brother's, like, big-time formal team uh, is the Texans. Uh, they take on the Broncos. What a game this <sighs> is. Who would have thought? By the way, yards comparison, Kenny Pickett, has thrown for 2,000 yards this year on the dot. Mm. C.J. Stroud's thrown for 32.66. He is nasty, man. He is. Uh, so Broncos now 6-5. and five. They're on that six-game win – or, sorry, five-game win streak. Texans, uh, they are three-point favorites at home. High total in this game, by the way, 47-and-a-half. So Vegas expecting a shootout. What do we get? I'm expecting a shootout as well. And uh, we talked about this yesterday. Measuring a state game – for the Broncos. <sighs> Who do I want to lean? I want to lean the Texans. That's I think you and I are on the same page. But I really like what Russ has done as of late. He has been cooking. He has looked like the old Russ. I think I'm going to go with the Broncos here. I, I I love the balance that Sean Payton. I, don't, I, I see your face. I the problem I, I, is I, I, I want to do the same, but then I'm going to be so mad at myself if Houston wins. And sometimes, honestly, Anthony, I pick games when I I'm like I would be more mad at myself if are the Broncos really good enough to win six straight? I mean, they're playing like it though, Craig. The defense they is are. a little I mean, bit that's better. The of having won five straight, the defense is a little bit better. Russ seems to have figured better. Exact. I mean, and the thing is. Quiet has kept. Russ has played solid all season long. It's more yeah. so been the defense. So since the defense has gotten better, they've looked better. So I, I think I want to go with the Broncos here. I th- I, th- I think I'm going with the Broncos, Greg. I'm going with the Broncos. 
Houston coming off that tough loss to Jacksonville. Yep. They had won three straight before that, four of five with the wackadoodle loss to Carolina in there. You know what? I'm just gonna zig because you're zagging. Ooh, I'm just okay. Gonna, I I don't. I'm so torn on this. Like it's a coin I flip, and I'm just gonna take the other side of the coin. Um, and one of us is gonna be right, and the other one. Uh, it's gonna be a shootout. We don't know. The other one will probably be me. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, Broncos Texans. Uh, and by the way, the winner of that gets to go up into our puncher's chance. Uh, yes, sir. And, and which is really what this game is about. That's all they care about. And. In Houston and Denver is what's happening on that Washington D.C. show and their NFL tiers on Thursday. Yeah, uh, which I won't even be there for next week. I'm out on Wednesday and Thursday. I just oh. saw the schedule today. You get Doc Walker Wednesday and Thursday. Yes, sir. Yo, Doc would be fun to do the tiers with. Doc's gonna he be hate like, list though, Craig. He hate list. Mm, that is true. I'll, I'll see if I can you know get him to come on over to the side, but uh, he hates list. We'll okay. see though. Well, it's also a bye week next week, so maybe we'll do them on Friday. Okay. Because we're going to need some Friday content. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Panthers and Buccaneers. First game without Frank Reich. Can the Panthers get uh, the bounce from from the fired coach bounce? No. <laughs> the short answer is no. Long uh, answer? No. Yeah, that's that's correct. Tampa by five. Uh, we're both on Tampa. Only five? Dang. Tampa's not that good. Yeah, I mean, but the Panthers stink. I, I'm aware. <laughs> All right. They've had trouble protecting Baker, though, so maybe Burns gets a couple sacks. Yeah. Something weird happens. I don't know. We'll they see. They should run the ball a thousand times. I mean, that was the thing. is like the end of last year, Carolina was bad, and Steve Wilkes finished them off six and six. Because they mm-hmm. had a plan. They had an identity. And then they were like, ah, let's go hire Frank Reich. Not that that was a terrible hire, but like, yo, when something works, just freaking do it. Do it. Yeah. Um, like, what are you looking for? I'm looking for wins. Steve <laughs> Wilkes won. Do that. Browns and Rams. Uh, Stafford uh, back. Thus, the Browns favored, or the Browns uh, four-point dogs in L.A., that Browns defense all of a sudden does not look nearly as dominant as it did earlier in the year. Garrett's banged up. I'm going to take L.A. in this one. Like, when they've had Stafford, they've been really good. The problem is keeping him healthy. Yeah, no so matter. we've said that, he'll get injured in this game and freaking lose. Yeah, no, uh, it was looking like Miles Garrett won't play. Joe Flacco to start. I'm, I don't have the utmost confidence in the Browns um, right now without – Miles in anyway, so I think I'm going to lean. I think I'm going to go with the Rams as well. Kyron Williams, the week he had last week, I expect him to, you know, duplicate that performance, to be honest. And when they've He's had success. He's not on my fantasy bench this week, I'll tell you I, that I much. hope he isn't. When they've had success, he has had monstrous days. And um, if you give a lot of attention to him, then that's going to open up the Cooper Cups. That's going to open up the, the Nakua's. We could see the Rams going a little run here with um, with Kyron Williams back. Well, and obviously, who's who's next? Well, I guess not next, but in two weeks, who's on the schedule for them? The Commandos. Yeah, which I'm super upset about for one reason, one reason only. Why? That game's in Los Angeles. Oh, it means a four o five start, which means it's a late night for your boy. Yeah, that's terrible. We got to do the take command post game pod like nine o'clock at night. Wow, <laughs> you'll be going to sleep at uh, 11, 12, no. one. 
two. I, it's a, 20, just, it's a thirty would, minute podcast. And yeah. honestly, if you know if they've lost again and they lose this week, like what more instant reaction do people want? <laughs> Welcome to Take Command. It's the instant reaction show. The instant reaction is they're still not good. Yes, Logan. All right, we'll <laughs> see you for the film breakdown on Tuesday. Uh, 49ers and Eagles game of the week. Uh, so we're both on the Rams there, by the way, uh, 49ers and Eagles. This is definitely the game of the week. Let's stop down and talk about it for a hot second, Anthony, because I think it's pretty fascinating. Um, you have this incredibly physical and incredibly skilled team in the 49ers that is definitely going to want revenge after, uh, I don't want to call it fluky as in like the Eagles shouldn't have won. But kind of a wacky NFC title game last year. They get the Devontae Smith call down the sideline. There's like a couple weird things in that game. Kyle doesn't coach the best game. Purdy got uh, hurt. Purdy got hurt. And and again, not fluky. The Eagles are a, a worthy NFC champion. But it was a very bizarre game. Um, I think it's safe to say. Meanwhile, since the bye this year, San Francisco's looked incredible. The Eagles have looked beatable all year, yet no one can seem to beat them. They're 10-1. and one. On the year, so no matter how tough a team plays them, they just find a way to win, and that is on display last week when they just find a way to beat the Bills, pulling it out of who knows where uh, on the verge or on the verge of losing, force overtime. Jason Kelsey has a couple of fault, like Jason Kelsey, one of the most solid NFL players of the last decade, has a false start in the rain to make it a 59-yard kick for Jake Elliott, and he's fine. We're good. Off they go, and then they get the QB draw in overtime for the for the win. The Eagles just find ways to win. I think the Niners have enough firepower to make the Eagles actually play their best game. The thing is, the San Francisco 49ers aren't as good on the road. I am so torn here. I can't, I can't wait for this game. That's my main takeaway. Well, then I say that, and I won't be able to watch it because I'll be <laughs> stuck in the bowels of FedEx Field uh, after that game. Um I'm going to go San Francisco here. I don't think the Eagles are finishing the season 16-1. and one. they got to lose sometime. This seems like a as good of a time as any. I was hoping you were going to be on the Eagles. Um, I, too, am on the 49ers. Just, but, again, just looking at the games, and, and you said it, they've looked beatable all season, yet no one's been able to get the job done. They barely beat the, the Cowboys, game of inches. They go out there, beat the Chiefs. They beat the Bills in OT. I think it's time. They're due for a loss, Craig. This game against the 49ers, I think the Eagles are due for one. And hopefully, you know, uh, this can, like, ignite something for them heading into uh, the playoffs. But I think they need to lose one more time before they, you know, really start to settle in for the the playoffs. Yeah, I I think I'm going to go with the 49ers here. They're they're great. The Eagles are fantastic. Um, They have to be considered as much. You know, I picked the 49ers. I would still take the 49ers out of stubbornness. But, like, the Eagles win the NFC and win the Super Bowl this year, not surprised at all. Yeah. Um, you know, let Jason Kelsey go out in a, in, a, in a blaze of glory after his brother broke his heart last year. Like, that's fine. Yeah. Um, But at the end of the day, like, to go, are they 16-1? and one? Are they going to be the first NFL team to go 16-1? and one? I mean, they got Dallas next week, so they could, you know, win this game, lose to Dallas. Sure. But like, they feel like a very great thirteen and you know, old school thirteen and three, yeah, I guess now fourteen and, 30, and three yep. team with a seventeen game schedule. Oh. Uh, speaking of of the other Kelsey uh, Chiefs Sunday Night Football at Green Bay Sunday Night Lambo, what a treat that is! 
for the NFL. Uh, Kansas City finally scored in the second half last week. They seem to figure some things out offensively. They're starting around into form, which is honestly terrifying for the rest of the AFC because their defense has been on point all year. And now their offense is like, oh, this Rashi Rice kid, he's finally figured out how to catch the football. Nasty. Kelsey's starting to get open again. The other tight ends are starting to make plays. Pacheco's become a bigger factor for them. And lo and behold, here's Kansas City at 8-3, and three, having not really played that well, now starting to play well. I'll take KC on the road. Yeah, I'm taking the Chiefs as well. I think the Packers' big problem all season is just consistency. What they did against the Lions, I don't think they'll Fantastic. be able to duplicate against the Chiefs. If they do, maybe the the Packers get on a little roll. But we'll see. They got to be consistent, and they have a tall task ahead of them. I don't think they can withstand what the Chiefs are going to bring. So, KC, Sunday night football, baby. Yeah, I think they'll be able to turn love over a couple times. Uh, although, Mahomes got to be careful. Mahomes has nine, nine interceptions this year. It's a high number for him. Yeah, it 20, is. 21 touchdowns, but nine interceptions. Uh, Bengals and Jags, obviously this game previously scheduled on Monday Night Football to be a great one when Joe Burrow was supposed to be playing in it with Jake Browning at quarterback. One, two, three. Jags, Jags. baby. All right, so that is the Monday Nighter. Uh, of course, the Commanders and Dolphins, one o'clock on Sunday. We got six players we need to identify if the Commanders are going to have a chance that's how we're going to put it next, our pick six on the Hoffman Show on the Team 980 and always live on the free Odyssey app.